do to do do to do to do. Here we go. My name's Todd Adams. What's your name? Um, I'm Kathy Adams. Hi, Kathy Adams. Hi. Welcome to Zen Parenting Radio. This Thank is you. episode number 230. What Zen Parenting Radio, you may ask? Well, we have the answers. To Don't. that question? Um, Kathy is a spiritual and emotional mom, and I'm a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters, ages 7, 10, and 12, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, sweetie, to become a better you. You want to know what we discuss in the show? Uh, we discuss self-awareness. Transformational wisdom, everyday challenges, and pop culture. To encourage what, sweetie? Laughter, self-awareness, and empathy. Very good. And what's our motto? The best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Absolutely. Which is a big part of today. Big, huge, gargantuan, colossal. Can you give me another? um, Large. Large and in charge. Um, So here is the summary of today's show. We're going to do a quick follow-up on last Tuesday's show about sibling rivalry, if you're all right with that. We are? I want you to talk about what happened last night a little bit. Okay. How about one of our our kids was in complete self-awareness and (laughs) using the right language? Yes. Okay. So quick follow-up on that, but we're going to play some clips from the Bill Maher show. Yeah. Which I fluctuate of whether or not I like the show or not, but he had something very specific to parenting. Do you know what Bill Maher reminds me of? It reminds me of our relationship with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Because for those of you who don't know that show, it's been on for like nine years. Yeah. It's on FX. Yeah. And in the first couple seasons, Todd and I loved it. Yeah. Like it was so funny. Yeah. And then it just it kept, kept pushing that envelope. It kept pushing. It, the crass, I'm fine with crass. Yeah. But sometimes crass is just. There is a line there. It's crassy crass. They crossed the line many times. And most of the time it's funny. Most of the time it's funny. And we're, you know, it's not being a prude. It's just, I don't know if I should laugh at that. And I think that's their intention. I don't think, I think they're. They're trying to stretch the audience member out to see what they're actually comfortable with. Right. And that's where, why I kind of, because I I realized my own comfort level. Bill Maher is very similar. Yeah. Because sometimes I think he makes very valid points. And some. Sometimes it's just a little over the line for me where it's so judgmental um, or so condescending that I don't think we're getting anything done. I know. So it's it's a little of both. Um, but first we have uh, the May the 4th Be With You retreat, yes. which starts on May the 4th. I'm so excited. I just made a note that I'm going to send out an email later this week to the people who are all registered. So please register as soon as you hear this, it starts this Monday, May fourth. It does um, because I'm. It's we're starting, like and it's we're going to talk up. about. Oh, it's a true balance. True balance, and and that think very broad because mm-hmm. it's not just about oh how to balance work and play. It's broader than that. It's a big picture. Sweetie's got some. Her, she's got her wheels spinning. My wheels are spinning, and so here's what you do: you go to zenparentingradio.com, you click on events, and you'll find where you register. The cool thing about the Mother's Day virtual retreat is you have nowhere you have to be, nothing you have to you know make time for. Well, besides reading our emails and listening to the podcast, quick podcast, 10, 15 minutes tops, and um, then the emails, and then emails, and then the Facebook optional. Uh, but that's where a lot of people really, in getting feedback from previous uh, retreat attendees, they love the Facebook thing because it's about community. Community, connection, and finding like-minded people. It's like finding your tribe. And what I love is how those people then become friends in their own right. right. And they'll be like from different countries or from different you know states. And it's just really cool. So 
once you register for the Mother's Day virtual retreat, um, you get it and then you can gift it to someone for free. So there's many ways to do this. Get it for yourself and then give it to another friend. If you are a spouse, give it to your to you know your wife and um, then keep it for yourself or give it to your wife and have her gift it to someone. Plenty of care. options. There, Just do it. There's a myriad of options. Just do it. Just do it, Nike. <laughs> um, and we're going to talk about the showing that we have coming up on May 18th, but we're going to do that afterwards. Okay. Or is it May 19th? May it's 18th. May 18th. It's a Monday. Um, so we did a podcast on sibling rivalry. It dominated most of the podcast last Tuesday. Uh-huh. Um, but... Um, Kathy had this story and it went really well. And the story ended in the girls having fun together. So Are you that, talking about my story on Tuesday? Yes. Okay. Remember they went out and shot the I bow do. and arrow? Yep. So some people might think, well, we figured it out. The girls are always going to be nice to each other. <laughs> and that's not what happens. We have no. to kind of, we restart. It's, it's a continuous practice is what it is. So in the best way you know how, can you summarize any enlightened moments that you received as of last night? So so basically last night, Todd and I had to do some kind of work thing. And so all the girls had to stay upstairs and they it was time for their technology time, which, um, you know, is great. Except Todd and I have this thing where you could only get Netflix on two iPads or phones. Or right. Whatever. We have three kids. All that's another thing that kind of bothers me, but I have let it go. Um, I wish they would just watch something together. Me too. That's old school. Remember when we used to um, watch uh, like movies? You know, if, if we chose Little Bear, everybody watched Little Bear. If we chose a movie, everybody Sesame Street. Everyone watched. Now Sesame everybody Street. wants to watch their own thing, and that used to bother me. But now, you know what I've done? What? Let it go. I've uh, let it go. Have you really? No. 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 <laughs> but I wish I did. Well, you know what? At this point, Elsa hadn't really let it go either. No. Um, so anyway. So and the other thing real quick on Netflix is that there's a part of me that says, well, just, you know, I'm, my nickname is Thrifty McSaves a lot. And a part of me just wants to upgrade to Netflix so we can get three at a time. So then we have a non-issue. But I feel – so we have a non-issue. But I feel like they need to figure out not everything is always – streamlined and simple available available that's a better way to say it so there's a part of me that doesn't want to you know pay the extra 10 bucks one because i'm cheap but secondly it's it's all it's it's an exercise that they have at least once a week and i kind of feel like two netflix available don't you think that's enough yeah i mean and that's the thing is like anyway so getting into this story so they're pretty good about normally – it just sometimes works out where one's watching, one's doing something else, one's home, one's not. So there's just kind of a flow. Um, but last night, because they were all upstairs, two out of the three wanted to use uh, Netflix. Uh, or no, three out of the three. Yeah, on three different devices. Three different devices. So I could hear them arguing, arguing, arguing. And again, we try and stay out of it. Yep. And then it gets to we, a point – We ignore it for as long as we can. And it gets to a point where I'm like, okay, there. I heard someone pulling something from somebody else. Yes. I was like, okay. So I walk upstairs and I'm like, okay, what? what's the story? What's the story? Everybody give me your story. And so my two olders, their story, it was really between them. And it was very similar – to a couple of days ago where they weren't feeling heard, Mm -hmm. either of them. From each other. From each other. And so what was nice is I don't really want to give every detail of this story, but at one point, one of my daughters said, she's not listening to me. And the other one said, I am listening to you. And then my other daughter said, well, if you were listening to me, I still didn't feel heard. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a great sentence. Yeah. I kind of feel like that can encapsulate... 
sometimes how children feel when parents say, oh, I'm listening, but they're not mindful. They're not making eye contact. And really that kind of sparked an emotional reaction from my other daughter where that penetrated Mm because that was truth. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's my turn. It's my turn, which is just fighting and ego. It was, if you did listen to me, which basically means I'm hearing what you're saying, but I still didn't feel heard. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was a great sentence. Now, how did it end? Well, they were both still a little annoyed and we had to figure something out. Um, It didn't end with, you know, flowers and roses, but I think it ended with understanding and some kind of uh, resolution for the moment. So now does this mean that we're not going to have to deal with this anymore? No, I uh, not at all. How I can mean, we never have to deal with this again? Uh, that's what I That's what I want to tell sorry. myself and the listeners. You know, if we're going to be a part of humanity, we have to accept what it means to be human. Um, and to be human means that we're going to have a lot of emotional responses. We're not always going to make good choices. And that life is about practicing how to be with ourselves and how to be with other people. We're talking about practice. <laughs> not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Practice, man. Alan, um, is that we, the, my, my train of thought. Does this help? Shut up! What? I said quiet! Does that, is that help? Is that that guy from that... Um, it's from Bugs Bunny, it says. Yeah, it sounds like a Bugs Bunny thing. Well, anyway, the bottom line is it doesn't matter. It just means that... We just have to practice instead of assume. See, that's the thing is parents will say, well, I did that with my kid. I did that. I did that. And but he still sometimes gets angry. I'm like, yes. Yeah, no kidding. Because it's a human being. Yeah. These are not robots. We are not robots. There is constant fluctuations. But here's the last thing I'm going to say. But as we practice these skills, it gets easier. Well, the other thing we talked about on the car ride over to our daily method uh-huh. routine uh-huh. is that a lot of it is dependent on what mood we're in. Of course. It will dictate on how we handle it. Of course. And I don't know. I just want to say that out loud because that's – you think like, oh, it's got – our role has nothing to do with it or our mood has nothing to do with it and it has – much of it to do well, with Well, that's it. the definition of conscious parenting. Yeah. Conscious parenting means you're aware of yourself as you're parenting. Yeah. I mean, the whole idea, self-aware Because parenting. like, for instance, when we are tired and we just want to zone out, say it's a Sunday afternoon, we will let them get away with things that they wouldn't be able to get away with on Tuesday afternoon. Of course. Like you can watch a movie. You can yeah. watch a two-hour and, movie. And, and how confusing is that? Right. It's like, oh, well, Earlier this week, you let me watch a two-hour movie, and now you're getting mad because I watched a half-hour show. Well, and I think that's where honesty comes into play. Like last night, too long of a story, but basically they were on technology earlier, so we asked them to come downstairs, and it still wasn't time for bed. And I was telling Todd that I was so beat because we had worked all day. You were just dog tired. I was just dog tired. And I really didn't want to do parenting stuff anymore. So I was sitting on the you couch. You wanted to clock out. I did, but I Because you're not wa- a person, sweetie. I'm a mom. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't want them to be all over me. And so I had to say, girls, I want us all to be down here together, but I can't do the whole jump all over me thing. I'm or really tired. Or ask you a million questions. Right. I'm really tired and I need to just kind of focus on relaxing. Why that's important is instead of saying, you're driving me crazy, there's something wrong with you, you're too overactive, I'm taking responsibility for how I feel. Mm-hmm. Does, do you, does that feel, do you understand? I do. So then they're not like, oh, what's wrong with me? Yeah. It's mom feels different right yeah, now. I'm tired. I'm just dog tired. Yes. Um, Bill Maher, here we go. You ready? We're just going to play some clips and then chat about it. All right. You all right with that? I'm good. Now, it's true I never had kids, but maybe that gives me some objectivity. And what I see in the generation coming up is these kids are more anxious than a squirrel on crystal meth. (laughs) 
And that's not because the kids have changed. It's because the parents have. They're called helicopter parents because they're always hovering, too protective, too always on the case, too always just there. Why are you pointing at me? Because I can hear your clicks in my uh, I know. Earphones. It's nothing I can do about ah, that. okay. It's on there. So... Um, so he did a little montage. We're going to play about three or four clips, but it's all about how we are two all over our kids. It's actually about free range parenting. And, and, and we're going to play a clip specific about that. So before I get into that, um, he's, he's bringing up something that's kind of in the news right now about what it means to parent and allow our children to have some space. Mm-hmm. So did you want to play the next yeah, one? Yeah, let's see. I don't know what, it, what happens, but let's see what happens. Okay. Here. This topic has been much in the news lately because there are now families going against the grain who want to raise their children, guided by the radical concept of occasionally letting them out of their sight. A movement that has been dubbed free-range parenting. <laughs> or as we used to call it, parenting. <laughs> Actually... We didn't even call it that because parenting wasn't a word, because being a parent wasn't a job description. In the 70s, parenting meant you woke up, went to your kid's room. If they were alive, you were done for the day. Um, so, yeah, we talk about these titles all the time. Helicopter parenting, lawnmower pe- parenting, free-range free range parenting. parenting. And, you know, you and I don't subscribe to any of those. I don't like We don't like labels Mm-mm. because we're human beings well, that have pigeon- different moods. It pigeonholes you and it starts to become something it's not. Like what attachment parenting is and what people visualize attachment parenting is are very different things. Well, what do people think attachment parenting is? Well, should I say what it is or what people think it is? Say either way. I think what attachment parenting is is understanding how a child thrives early and how what they need connection-wise and how they need to feel attached and soothed and you're basically helping them create their their inner workings. So is attachment parenting specific Specific to say the first four years of life versus you know pre adolescent. Yeah, and all I that. think about it. I'm sure there are people who study and who practice attachment parenting who say, "Oh no, this goes on." But right. I really, I think it's really uh, focused on in those early, early years. On, okay. But what people visualize, and unfortunately, what a lot of people make it is this really crunchy granola. You know, I never, I always have my kid on. I'm always, they are always strapped to me. Yeah. They always sleep with me. They, it's the always. Yeah. There's no always. They breastfeed till they're seven. You know, it's this extreme view when really the basis of attachment parenting is Mm well-researched and well-understood. It's a a wonderful um, way to help your kid feel soothed. But the issue is, is that there is no always. Mm-hmm. There are times when you need a break. There is, There are times when there are people who, for whatever reason, there are issues with nursing. Mm-hmm. There are – so it's these – we set up these lines where we divide ourselves and say, I'm this, yeah. you're that. And we can do a lot of these things. Yeah. Because sometimes you're a helicopter parent and well, sometimes you're a free-range parent. And we're going to play a few more clips, but the, the easiest way f- – the Let's see, the lowest common denominator, the easiest way for to jump on Bill Mars, yes, isn't he right? Aren't most of these parents way too hovering over their kids and you wanted to put a different spin on it? Do you right. remember what and, it was? Well, yeah, I do because here's the thing. Because Todd and I don't really subscribe to, yes, free-range parenting is good or it's bad because, again, it's just, those are just words. What I think this whole thing is about is really how we judge others mm-hmm. and that really the reason that this is even in the news is because there have been instances, specifically I think in Baltimore. Yeah, he's going to talk about that. Let me okay, play, play that. that. I think that's this one. Hopefully okay. it is. 
What kind of country do we live in where the sight of a kid walking alone in his own neighborhood requires a call to 911? So there it is. So basically what happened, it didn't just happen once either. It happened, happened twice. twice to the same to the family. Same family. So this family really, if you were to label their parenting, they, they say they do free range parenting. And it's in Silver Springs, Maryland, wherever that is. And it's a decent neighborhood. Decent neighbor, like a pretty suburban, yeah. nice neighborhood. So, or so we've heard, I've right. never been there. Um, but th- the whole thing is they just want to give their kids some freedom. Just like, cause we, you do know. Do you remember how old the kids were? I uh, 10 and six. 10 and six. And here's what's important is Todd and I have jokes about what we used to do when we were kids, how we would leave after school at like three and come home at dark. And my parents had no idea where I was. Now, everyone will say, well, it's a different world. Right. My big thing that I kind of want to throw out there is, is it? Yeah. Or have we created a different world in our brains? Because we have so much access to everything that happens in this world when truthfully, statistically, less is happening now than it it was was when we were kids. But because we have at our fingertips where every sexual predator lives, Mm -hmm. you know, all you have to do is because we hear the news every day and we hear every kidnapping and every, and and they're not even always kidnappings. They're not stranger kidnappings. They're a parent or a divorce situation or an uncle that picked up the kid. We hear all of this. And so it makes us view the world as being unsafe. Now, as I say that, I'm not trying to judge people because I definitely respond to that fear also. And here's the problem. For parents who would like to give their kids a little more freedom, because we have subscribed or because we have bought in to the tremendous fear, we are now ridiculing and judging the parents who are doing what they think is best for their kids. Mm -hmm. Somebody called 911 on that family. And while if these children looked abused – because I'm a social worker, so I – you know, and everybody who's in the, the the helping profession, we're all considered mandatory reporters, right. which means that if you see something that is abusive or neglectful, you have to, by law, report something. Yeah. But is a child walking home from a park three blocks away neglectful? Have we gotten so caught up in fear right. that we somehow view that as instead of being growing and, and practicing and, you know giving our children an opportunity to, to expand their horizons a right. bit, we view that as neglectful. Well, and one thing you said to me this morning when we were talking about the podcast is that our goal as a result of this conversation is not to make fun of the helicopter parents. No, no. The goal is to see, is there any helicopter parenting tendencies in me? Yes. Is there any helicopter, is there any lawnmower parenting tendencies? What's lawnmower parenting again? when you like mow everything out of their way so oh, they succeed. Oh, John Duffy told us that, yeah, didn't so he? They, I don't know if it's John Duffy or John O'Sullivan, but oh, maybe it's John. They, got, they get everything out of their way and just so they succeed at everything. No risk. No risk. No risk. And my, my thing is, and I'm, I'm kind of jumping on your bandwagon here, we, I am that. I display tendencies of, you know what, it's getting a little, it's getting... You know, that park is three blocks away and I don't want to let you out. Like, I have these tendencies. Me too. Me too. And uh, it would be so easy for us to make fun and laugh at all the parents that do that. What we want to do, because we don't have any control over any other parents, the only thing we have control over is ourselves. And our goal is maybe you're one of those parents that has that perfect balance of parenting, of giving them enough rope to, you know, fail safely and but most there's no such thing but most of us 
you know, are on the pendulum going both ways. So I don't want to make fun of those people because I am those people. And the idea is to see ourselves. You Which brought people up- are you? Both, right? I'm both. Yes, we are both. That's I, the thing. I let them fail probably to the point where they probably need a little more support. We are free range and we are helicopter. Right. And uh, you brought up an example that I hope you want to share as uh, as far as judging people at the pool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I would, no, not at the pool. I um, at, the oh, park, at the park, I was saying that when the kids were little and I was really getting into self-awareness and mindfulness and making it, trying to, trying to practice, just that word, trying to yeah. practice – I would be at the park and I would make a conscious effort to not have my phone, right. right? So I could watch the kids, be with the kids. And then I would see another mother or father on the phone and I would judge yep. and I would be like, they shouldn't be, you know, in my head, wow, they shouldn't be on the phone. They don't care. Look whatever. at me. Look at my... Look at, look at how I'm so conscious. And and the thing is, is I really am making fun of myself because I have no idea what's... Because then in hindsight... How many times was I at the park on my phone because I was texting you to say where we were or my mom had an emergency? Or maybe you were doing something stupid like being on Facebook. Right. Maybe it was something I just needed to, you know, just needed a numbing break. My point is, is that I think the reason that these kind of things happen, like where people get uh, the police called, is it's not really just about the children are unsafe. I think there's a sense of they get to do that. And but I don't. I don't get to do yeah. that. So let me rein this in so we're all on the same page. Right. Just like I would point to someone at the park and be like, well, I'm not on the phone, so you shouldn't be on the phone. And here's what's so important. I remember hearing this from Deepak Chopra like 15 years ago. And I remember when he said it thinking, gosh, I don't know if that's possible. He said, the less that we judge other people – the less judgmental we'll be of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, not that I would thought of myself as super judgmental, but I'm like, but we all judge. We all have opinions. People are bad or good. You know, I was a little more black, uh, and, white. black and white about things like, and the truth is, is if you are compassionate toward others, and again, practice empathy, where you think about stepping in their shoes and what they may experience, you then, it it's, you get that back yeah. because when you're less judgmental of people, you're less judgmental of yourself. Yeah, because it's really hard or maybe impossible to be judgmental of others and to be nothing but loving towards oneself. Absolutely. Right? And we can do it the other way. The more self-compassionate you become, the less, the less you're going to judge. Yeah. So it can go both ways and really probably the easier way is to focus on yourself, yourself first. And then it will. And then it'll transfer. But it is a back and forth kind of thing. And that in itself can change the world. Yeah. Because so much of what, you know, and what I see, Todd, like, um, you know, on parenting websites or not websites, on social networking, and it's not always a parenting page, people will say something like, well, I'm going to let my kid go downtown because, you know, they, they've earned it or whatever. I think they can. And then someone will write underneath that. Well, I care about my kids, (laughs) so I'm not going to let them go as if someone's choice means that they don't care. Right. And I really take exception, exception, because not offense really, but I look at that and I think, who doesn't care about their kids? We all do. I, I mean, except for the psychopaths out there, everybody's trying to do the best thing for their kids That's all right. the time. Unfortunately, most of us are making mistakes as much or maybe not as much quite often. But it's not because we're trying to screw these kids up. It's because the the basis of information that we're making our decisions from 
is defunct, it's outdated, whatever. And the idea of our show is to have a conversation so the people listening can have a conversation with their own partner saying, let's rethink this. Is let's this evolve. the best way to do this? Well, and here's the thing. When we do make mistakes, we try and hide it. Mm-hmm. And so we create this huge shadow mm-hmm. where we pretend that we're doing everything right and all of our choices are so well thought out and great. And when we make a mistake, we don't accept it yeah. and we don't apologize for it or we don't reconcile it. And then it becomes this like big weight on us where we have to prove to the world that we're doing everything well and pretend that everything is great. I think that's how families explode, like meaning like relationships blow up. Um, there's, you know, miscommunication in the family. There's crisis is we keep trying to hide the normalcy of challenges. One simple um, um, tip for our listeners is when you screw up because everybody do. does. Yes. Apologize. Yeah. To your partner, to yourself, to your kids. I remember, you know, I love my parents, and but I don't remember them saying they were sorry for their screw ups. And I think that's a generational it's thing. Generational, like they, yeah. their parent, they never heard their parents say they were sorry, so they didn't know to say it. Say you're sorry, you screw up, and that will give them more space to be okay with trying something that they may not succeed at, or something like that. You know what I mean? I it's do, and and one of the. One of the things that feels really good to me, because <laughs> this happens a lot and Todd's around when this happens, where I will jump to a conclusion about something like you didn't pick up your backpack and I said, pick up your backpack and they'll say to me, but mom, I did. But then I put it back out because we're leaving in a minute and I'll go, oh, totally my fault. Sorry. Right. Like I didn't recognize what was happening. Right. And that is like the biggest there's so much happening in that. It's, it's now, uh, freeing. It's freeing for them and for me, meaning then I can totally take back that like frustrated tone I had right. because it's, it was uncalled for. Number two, my child hears, hears that I hear her, mm-hmm. meaning, oh, but mom, I did do that, but I brought it back downstairs. Oh, okay. Open communication. Open communication. It doesn't have to be well, but you normally leave it, leave it downstairs. We, we talked earlier this week and it was about something like – Many times we have to create boundaries for our kids, yeah. whatever that means. Some people might call it a timeout. You and I talk, we say having a conversation Communication. with our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you, even when they screw up, you don't have to be angry about no, it. No, you don't. And um, I think the easiest way to do when your kid screws up, whatever it is, um, it's just so easy to be angry. And, and we think that that's more effective when in fact... 99.9% of the time, it's less effective because they'll tune out, right? They, they will. We believe that volatility somehow teaches our children. It'll wake them up. If I get really mad, so, then they're totally going to learn. So what happens next time? Then you have to get even louder. You do. And more mad. And then they're more afraid. Yeah, we, I don't know. I, I, I try not to be too boastful, but we rarely yell at our kids. Well, I definitely take tones. I definitely have yeah, they increased they know my, when mom is serious. No. So there is no boasting here. Like the 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 issue is is volatility is a very different thing. Volatility is I am so angry not just about what's happening, but how this always happens in my life, how children are this way, how nobody listens to me, how everything's stressful, and we dump all that on our kids when that's not what really is happening in the moment. So volatility really, I think, is just a demonstration of our inability to deal with our own day. 
you know? So you're saying volatility is neither good nor bad, but you need to be aware when you are volatile? Well, everybody feels volatility at some point. It's not about volatility is good or bad, but this is the way I'll say it. When something is happening, we can have an emotional reaction to it. But when we have a heightened, heightened sense of of emotion over something that's pretty typical, Mm -hmm. meaning a kid, you know, maybe not making a good choice or when our emotion is so over the top, then we know it's not just about what's happening in that moment. We are bringing a story to it. We are bringing... So so that's like a clue to yourself. It isn't actually about About this moment. It's... I have some baggage of my own with this. I have a story in my head about either my day, my life, my experience that is telling me that this is how I need to respond to keep this from happening. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, and you know, I always use this example when I when I do presentations. Your child spills a glass of milk in the morning. You're in a good place. You say Okay, well, let's clean it up. You're a little annoyed. It's not that you're like, oh, great, milk, but you can deal with it. The next day, you're late. You have a presentation. Your child, maybe their room is a mess. You haven't done the laundry. Then they spill the milk. Mm -hmm. Your reaction is over the top. It has nothing to do with the milk. And how confusing is that to a child? Very. And that's why it's not about our kids, meaning we still need to deal with the spilled milk. What a great metaphor. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean we're permissive and we say you can spill milk all the time. What we need to deal with is what we're bringing to that situation. That is the definition of conscious parenting, at least to me, or self-awareness in its totality. What about about the parent that says, you know what, kids have to deal with people in bad moods because that's part of real life. Well, and the truth is, is these things that I'm explaining, I've done them. Mm -hmm. So I have had these experiences with my kids, so they've had it. They've seen me angry or seen an expression that has nothing to do with them. But the practice is, is that going to be my norm or is that going to be my exception? And we all know that what our children need is a safe place to be, a a place that they feel like they belong, a safe haven, which should be the home. Mm -hmm. When they go out into the world and they're at school and they're at their job or their internship or at college, they will experience enough negativity of unconscious people. But if we can be conscious people, if we can be self-aware, then they have a place to return and refuel. Well, and John Duffy said, uh, it's about relationships. Like fast forward 20 years, is your kid going to want to come home for Thanksgiving dinner? That's right. Because if your relationship is based on anger and frustration and disappointment and judgment, they're pro- and judgment, they're, I mean, they might come begrudgingly or they may go to their spouse's house. And a lot of times, I find when people say, "Well, society is that way," mm-hmm. society is you. Yeah. However, you perceive the world is how you perceive society. Yeah. And I know that's a tough one to hear for a lot of people because they'll be like, "No," and they'll point to a million reasons why they think society is bad. Mm. But see, you can do the opposite too, or somewhere in between. I feel like there's a gray because, yeah. of course, I would never say these bad things aren't happening. There's a riot going on right now in Baltimore. It's right. happening. It's real. But you want to know what else is real? There's people that are helping. There's people that are reaching out and saying, "Let's have peace." Yeah. There are people who are, you know who are working really hard. Plenty of teachers and people that are leading inspiration. So where is your finger pointing? Yeah, where's your attention focus? Where's your attention? All right, let's go back to Bill Maher. Okay. Here we go. We got two more clips. When did we get this idea that children should never endure even the slightest risk or experience any disappointment? If the ice cream truck doesn't come, the parents panic and double strap the kids in the car and rush over to Baskin Robbins where they disinfect the table and test the cones for gluten. There you go. He said gluten. 
And then let's do the last one. Okay. For kicks. This one's about a minute, so. And for what? A new study confirms that all this excess time with kids is not having a positive effect. Kids, free to engage the world on their own a bit, wind up coming out happier and more creative than the ones who have to put on a helmet to take out the garbage. <laughs> Let the little bastards breed a little. Do you know that American kids now spend 90% of their leisure time at home, plopped on the couch, watching TV, playing video games, we're not raising citizens, we're fattening veal calves. <laughs> and, and all because we think outside is where the baby snatchers are, and inside is where it's safe. Right, inside, where the pornography <laughs> is at their fingertips 24-7. Then he goes on to say things that is not appropriate for this show. Yeah, so there's some truth in that. The reason that people are laughing is, you know, is because it's funny. I'm not trying to be so deep about it, but it's because we find truth in it. Mm. We say, well, I'm going to keep my kid home and keep them safe. And guess what they're doing? They're altering their brains by being on technology. They're seeing things they shouldn't at a certain age, and they're they're being they're not growing their sense of self because a lot of times we keep them home, but we're not engaging with them. Right. And we shouldn't be the, for the parents that say, well, I'm always engaging with my child. I'm their playmate. That's not great either because they need to be engaging with lots of different people, not just having experiences with us, which is important. You know, again, be be balanced with me. I'm not saying that's not good at all. I'm saying it's really interesting when we get a babysitter, our kids' reaction. They in the morning are like, she said this and she did this and look what we drew together and look what we did. It gives them a new perspective. Mm -hmm. And that's just a babysitter. Imagine meeting new kids at the park. Yeah. You know, imagine, you know, every time they're with grandma or every time they're with an aunt, they, their brain grows. Yeah. Um, I, this is kind of what I feel. And then we get to move on to a listener's question. Okay. Um, I feel like we need to, and obviously it's a pendulum that swings back and forth, but kind of not grade yourself, but look at your parenting style and figure out if you're on this side of the spectrum or that side of the spectrum and question if, if you are exactly where you want to be. God bless and keep going. Right. If it's working. If it's working. Mm -hmm. But if you're not and you're frustrated because of this or that, have a talk with your partner if you have one and say, maybe we can, you know, tighten the leash here or let some more leash out there um, to allow them to experience something a little bit different, whichever way it is. It doesn't matter. I'm not advocating either way. But have a discussion about it because many times we're so busy, we don't even think about it. We just keep on doing it. Right. And a lot of times it's because it's just simple, meaning that we're kind of on autopilot ourselves. So our children are just kind of going along for the ride. But um, it's it's not easy. And like Todd said, we can't tell you do this or do that because your family situation is unique. Um, But I will tell you that some of my deepest – the things that I am most contemplative about are what's best for my daughters as they grow and how I can give them more space. And when they ask for more space, if that be by having their door closed or for going going on a bike ride downtown or for being outside in the dark in the backyard and wanting to be there, yeah. can I allow for that? Because yeah. if they are asking, then they are looking to grow that part of themselves. Right. While at the same time, having the wisdom of being an adult and knowing what the boundaries around that are. Because you can't just let go and say, do whatever you want. Yeah, it's tricky. Tricky, This parenting thing. Tricky, tricky, tricky. Have we ever played that? No, I think we should. I think we should. Um, You ready for a listener's question? I am. 
You have um, received no forewarning. Of Oh, about the question? No, I don't know what it is. You are the expert, so okay. please share your expertise. There's actually two questions. Hopefully we can get to them both by the same lady. My five-year-old daughter often gets frustrated while doing an art and craft type project in that it doesn't turn out the way that she wants. She will sometimes ask for my help, describing without much detail as to how she wants me to help her, but then melts down when I don't do it right or she thinks it looks horrible. Wow, this sounds familiar. I remember these days. Mm -hmm. At that point, she simply becomes inconsolable and abandons the project altogether. None of my suggestions or offer of assistance is taken positively. I'm wondering how you might suggest handling a situation like this. I regret seeing her give up on something as well as what appears to be a perfectionism or a lack of feeling satisfied or accomplished with what she has created. Um, So here's my thought on that. Five-year-old daughter. I think that sometimes we put the label perfectionism on young children because they are trying to show something that maybe isn't coming out the way they want it to be. And then when we can't help them, we call them perfectionists. Right. But I don't think that's always the truth. I think that what's happening with her child in that moment or some of the time is that our kids, especially our young kids, have a vision in their head. And sometimes they don't have the tools, if it be the words or the artistic abilities or the communication skills to get it across. So as parents, we try and come in and say, oh, this is what you're trying to do. But see, that's through our lens. And so we'll say, oh, no, you just make the house look like this. Well, that's not the way the house in their head looks. And so when they get angry and stomp around and say, no, you're not doing it right, can you understand that that's basically a way that they feel unheard? Mm -hmm. Like even if it's a little bit obviously immature and it's not – you know, as an adult, we understand why it would be difficult for someone else to draw our house for us and that it's not perfect. I think sometimes the language that we use is important. Instead of saying, well, this is this is what a house looks like or this is the best I can do and becoming defensive, can we instead say, oh, I can totally relate. This is not exactly what you see, but you can't get it out. Mm-hmm. Is there any way I can help you get it out? Can we do it with words? Can you give me colors? Help me close your eyes and help me see what you see. So what happens, let's say you do that because all those tidbits are good. And then afterwards, she still melts down and says, it's not the way I want it. I can understand why you're frustrated because when I'm trying to get something across and people don't understand, it's hard for me too. See, and that's good. I would say something like, um, well, I like what you've drawn, but- if you don't, you know, but just kind of let her have the meltdown, right? Well, for sure. But so is saying that letting her have the meltdown is I completely understand why you're melting down. Yeah, right. I feel the same way. Yeah. When, when think about as an adult, you and I have this sometimes because I, we talk and think differently. So sometimes I'm trying to get something across to you and you'll say, yeah, but we can't do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I just said we can't do blah, 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 but we can do this. It's the same kind of thing as a five-year-old trying to draw a house. Right. We are trying to communicate what's going on inside of our soul. Mm. We're trying to communicate something so deep and mm. profound. And for a child, drawing a picture is their soul. We, yeah. we got to understand it's not all about education. Right. It's about trying to express who you are. And so when someone does not get it and then they start to f- make you feel bad and guilty mm-hmm. about not wanting to go with the house they drew mm-hmm. – you are being silenced. Right. Or at least it feel when I say that, people are going to go, oh, at least they feel silenced. Yeah. Your intention is to love and to help. I know that. But you, so instead of trying to fix it for them, 
acknowledge yeah. their feelings about it. I can understand it. why you're frustrated. I can understand. And then you don't have to fix it. I mm-hmm. think that's the thing is we think that fixing it then resolves all the problems. Yeah. She's learning through she's these situations. She's learning through this. Yeah. And you are saying, I see you. I hear you. It's hard to get this house across. Maybe we can come up with different ways. Mm-hmm. And if she's like, no, 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 then to your point, Todd, let her have some sadness yeah. about that. Um, part two. Although I the same same lady. Okay. Although I strive to be the best parent I can be every day, I wonder what your philosophy and/or approach is when you have failed as a parent day or particular bad parenting moments. Do you recommend apologizing to your child when you behaved in a way you're not proud of, or something else? Well, I, I mean, feel like we've already. I, I, I coincidentally, I said apologize to your kids when you screw up. Well, and I like that she said failed parent moments. Yeah, failed because- as a parent day or particular particularly bad parenting moments. And you know what? It's all about words for me. I don't like the word failed in there because instead, and again, some people that may work for them, but I would say made a poor choice or treated you poorly. I screwed up. Daddy made a mistake. Yeah. And then we can acknowledge it without being, without groveling. Mm -hmm. We can just say, gosh, the last two hours, I have been a pain in the butt. I've been really on you the last couple hours. And I want you to know I recognize that. And it really has nothing to do with you. So absolutely acknowledge it because you know what happens when we don't? It snowballs. Because then their response to us about something small three days later is still a response to what happened three days before. So yeah. And and it's okay. Be compassionate for yourself because you're not alone. When you have a failed moment, I do too. When you have a failed day, I do too. Join the club. You're not alone. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Um, I promised Carrie, our super fan. Oh, Carrie. I love Carrie. I do too. Um, she said something. Remember we talked about Bill Watterson, who's the creator of Calvin and Hobbes uh-huh. comic strip? She wanted to know what is up with Calvin peeing on bumpers, peeing on different cars on the bumper stickers. Right. Do you know that? Yeah. So on, it's actually on the back windows. Or yeah, like in on a Dodge, Calvin is peeing on a Chevy. It'll show like a mean-faced Calvin who's peeing. Yes. And she's like, what's up with that? Now, I don't know exactly no, where superfan number 99 is coming from as far as this question. The one thing I will say with certainty is that the creator, Bill Waterson, did not sign off on that. So Correct. that's an illegally created bumper sticker. Correct. And then the secondly is why people choose that as the thing that they care most about and put on their bumper sticker. I have no idea. Here's Calvin, this heart-centered, imaginative, creative kid who speaks his mind and sees the world in this beautiful way. And we've turned him into a kid who pees on things. He's not a retaliating kid. It's not even accurate. It's not even accurate it's of who It's not who is. Calvin is. No. So all you bumper sticker displaying people... You got to take that off. You can speak your mind without peeing on things. That's right. That's my quote of the day. Um, yeah. Save that for words of wisdom, <laughs> sweetie. Um, I wanted to talk about some, how many, how much time? Not much. Well, <laughs> I wanted to say that um, this conversation about judgment and overthinking, um, I actually wrote a article um, about this. It just kind of happens to coincide with this show for Chicago Parent for May. And I I posted it on social networking the other day, but I wanted to say that it is my last column for Chicago Parent. I have been uh, employed by them or working with them, partnering with them. No, clap. No, you don't need to do that. Um, I have been... But but the readers are going to be so... Well... As you know, parting is such great sorrow. Is that it? Such, such sweet, sweet sorrow, sorrow Romeo, um, Juliet. So I, but the reason I want to say this is because I've been writing for them since 2007, 
Tamara O'Shaughnessy, who is the editor there, is the person who published the very first thing that I wrote. Tassie Party. And um, I am so thankful and grateful to her because that was the beginning of believing in in my writing. Do you remember when I sent that email to her the first time? I don't. It was when my office was down here and I was so nervous. And she said, sure, we'll publish this. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like the beginning of a new life. Sweetie's accepted as a writer. Yeah. And and so, and then I wrote for them, blogged for them, and then had this column called The Self-Aware Parent. And because Todd and I are shifting so many things in our work, it was time to kind of streamline and be focused on certain things. And I knew that it was time to let it go, but I do it with heavy heart and with um, great love. Let it go. Yep. Let, let it, it go. go. Can't hold it back anymore. Um, I do it audio. with a lot of um, gratitude for Chicago Parents. I love them and I'm so thankful that they exist and I can't wait to see who writes next for That's them. That's right. So Creating just, some space for somebody else to have. Absolutely. Um, all right. Um, May 18th. The Empowerment Project documentary screening. Uh, Daddy Daughter Date. York Theater. Mommy Daughter Date. Family Date. Family Date. Yes. The Empowerment Project is about ordinary women doing extraordinary things. It gives us a wonderful snapshot of what's really going on in the world when it comes to women, um, or I should say in the United States. It's focused on the United States. Um, and it just it's an opportunity to bring your daughter and your son to something that's very inspiring and educational, but also entertaining. And then after the movie... Um, we will have a short discussion. Um, and, you know, I think you'll go home with new things to talk about. The Empowerment Project is brought to you by Zen Parenting Radio and Comprehensive Clinical Services. Uh, discovercs.org. Correct. They have a wonderful practice over there. They do. They have therapists, multidisciplinary, uh, and it, they have they are multilingual yep. and they, so if you're thinking marriage therapy, individual therapy, therapy for your children, contact they're, them. They're a really good resource. Um, we were going to do our movies, but it's late. We're doing it. All right. So, um, we're we, n- we did one, two and three. Right. Well, recap your one, two and My three. My one, two and three was Wizard of Oz, um, Forrest Gump and, um, what was my third? Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot. Thank you. Um, this is our top 10 favorite movies of all time. So mine was Star Wars, then Empire Strikes Back, and then uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Correct. So now we're on to four. Four, five, and six. You want to go or you want me to go? You do four. Number four, Midnight Run. You should be doing drums. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I'm helping you produce. Yes, you're. but you're helpful when I do that. Where? There it is. Number four, Midnight Run. Um, if those, if anybody hasn't watched that movie, I don't like that movie. I don't like that movie. Doesn't like you. I was about to say I don't like you, sweetie. I know. I don't actually. I just that don't think movie it's funny. is one of the either. best. That's like the fourth best movie of all time. I know. So you say. Uh, what's your number four? My number four is Dead Poets Society. Ooh, can't go Where's wrong my drums? with that. Oh, sorry. It's really long. It's too long. I was about to say something. Dirty, but I won't. Um, <laughs> You're going to say that's what she said. That's exactly what I, I was going to say. In the words of Michael Scott. Okay. Um, my number five <laughs> is Airplane. Okay. I, sh- I can hear that. I should have quotes from these movies. That's what we should be doing. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> I am serious. <laughs> Don't call me Shirley. What's your number five? My number five is The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Most people probably have never even heard of that. Oh, I disagree with you. I think that many people have heard of it or they've read the book. And they did an extraordinary job with the movie. And I still think about that movie all the time. I can be brought to tears right now. But I won't. Call the newspaper. (laughs) Uh, Number six, uh, Shawshank Redemption, which is kind of very 
it, that's an easy choice. It is. It's such a great movie. Very popular favorite movie. Um, get busy living or get busy dying. That's right, sweetie. red. What's your number six? Uh, my number six is To Kill a Mockingbird. Ooh, black and white. Our second black and white uh, entry into this. What was list? the first black and white? Um, uh, Wizard of Oz. Oh yeah. Well, that was color. There it was black and white. Started black and white. Well, you know, it's funny. I ju- it was one of my favorite scenes is obviously when Atticus, you know, is trying to tell the jury, you have got to rule fair on this regardless. And I was watching The Good Wife last night and she is watching that scene at a certain point. Mm. And I thought, oh, she's going – you can tell just that she's watching that, mm-hmm. that she's changing, yeah. that there are things that she thought she could do that she realizes she can't. Because is that she, Alicia Florek? That's Alicia Florek. Okay. Um, but I thought that was really interesting. Um, so we'll do 7, 8, 9, and 10 sometime next week. But thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you. You found it. I did. Tricky. Tricky. Do you know the words? Of course. You know them? I do. Sorry, I can't do that. I know some of them. It's so loud. You're loud. (laughs) It's tricky to rock around, to rock around. That's right on time. It's tricky. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Have a great weekend. Mother's Day virtual retreat. Join us. That's right. I feel like I'm yelling. Be cool or be school. Or keep trucking. All right, adios.